Today on Locked On Rockies, well, we're told this is a draft and developed team. Let's see what the state of the farm system is as we check in once again with Locked On MLB Prospects host, Lindsey Crosby. You are Locked On Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rock on Rockies fans and prospects fans still trying to figure out there it is there's the right button we got to click because you got some nice zooms of Lindsay and i's faces here <laughs> we are part of the locked on podcast network we are proud to be part of your first listen of the day i am paul holden the host of the locked on rockies podcast joining me today is Lindsay crosby host of the locked on mlb prospects podcast Lindsay, that's not all you do what else do you do Golly, uh, what do I not do? I cover the game of baseball from like every possible level. So if it's college baseball, uh, Sports Illustrated's Auburn Dailies, where I'm doing a lot of that. Uh, obviously, minor league baseball, locked in and be prospects. I also, on behalf of Sports Illustrated, covered the Atlanta Braves on Bravestoday.com. So every level of baseball, my hands are in it somewhere. Yeah, Lindsay is one of the busiest guys in the business and, uh, you know, spring seasons and college ball on the way. So yep. Lindsay's going to be keeping an eye on it. And surprisingly enough for us Rockies fans, he kicked off his uh, farm system looks with the Colorado Rockies. It's a rare time the Rockies are at the top of a list, especially <laughs> this offseason. We're going to dive into that and more here on today's episode of Locked On Rockies and Locked On MLB Prospects. Before we dive into everything, thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Your subscription and liking and commenting on both the Locked On Rockies and Locked On MLB Prospects videos on YouTube are the best ways to help the show grow, the best ways to uh, engage with us and let us know what's going on with your thoughts when it comes to the world of baseball. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your purchase. Lindsay and I were both talking right before about how we've used Game Time multiple times, so uh, we'll talk more about that later. But Lindsay, I listen through the podcast, and it's great. You know, I, there's these are the type of storylines you have to be encouraged by from the Rockies, and you have a prospect that no one's talking about enough, and 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 he was the star of 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 your episode. Why are you so high on Jordan Beck? What makes him the guy that you are so excited about when you look at this system? So to me, Jordan Beck's a guy that the things that he does well, I think we don't maybe necessarily give him credit for. Like we don't think of him as a power hitter, right? He hit 25 home runs, 61 extra base hits last year. Uh, the, the All of the fundamentals around what he's trying to do are really good. The swing decisions are good. Uh, you know, he's good at pulling the ball. He's good at getting optimal contact. And the things that he struggles a little bit with, you know, some swing and miss in the zone are all correctable things, right? It's not like you have a guy that has great contact ability but just can't generate power. That's a lot harder to fix. This is something where the when he does connect, it's quality contact. He just misses some in the zone because he's swinging at the wrong pitches. You can fix that. That's easier to fix. And... You look at a guy, he can play all three positions in the outfield. The power, I think, would play even not at altitude. You know, home and road splits would both be good. And so there's a lot to like about Jordan Beck. I've got him, like, from a, he's probably, to me, the number two prospect in the system behind Amador. And I, I think I'm kind of the high guy on Jordan Beck, but I think it's warranted. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the line's exciting. I mean, that's... What I want to see from the next wave of Rockies players, I actually talked about this on Wednesday's episode. I, I think it's more important for the Rockies 
in 2024 to show offensive development among their young players. Then uh, the pitching, I, you know, the pitching is going to be a mess in 2024. The pitching, the, the, the MLB ready pitching players are, we kind of are a mixed bag. We know that they're going to be, we know that they're depth and, and we'll get into more into pitchers later, but I, I'm just curious, your your whole uh, – a big part of your podcast yesterday, too, was the Rockies are taking great defenders and trying to teach them to hit. And on paper, that sounds like Rockies, course field, makes total sense. But then you look at how the Rockies have performed on offense the last few seasons, especially in the post-Arenado world and, and post-playoff world. They haven't been good on offense are you confident that the Rockies can make great hitters out of these players? And do the Rockies kind of spoil the teachings of Pacheco there at AAA when they get up to the majors? Great hitters? I don't think so. Good hitters, I think there's enough talented players to get some good hitters out of it. So I I subscribe to the theory that hitters, like the truly great hitters, are born that way. You don't make the hitter significantly better. You can improve a guy on the margins, hitting-wise. Pitching, I'm of the alternate idea. You can build a pitcher, right? You can figure out what works well with his body type and his pronation and all of that, and you could build a quality pitcher. So I would like to see a little more emphasis on some of the offense and try to find that blend. You don't want to go... This reminds me a lot of what Cleveland's done, right? Cleveland's also gone and gotten a lot of guys... Uh, that that defend well, and then they prioritize contact ability, and then they hit less home runs as a team than Atlanta's top four did last year. And so, like it's, I feel like it may be tilted a little bit too far in the wrong direction, and it just it kind of feels like it's been overreactions. We overreacted to maybe Montero's struggles by getting a bunch of of defensive oriented guys that couldn't hit that well. Um, there's a balance to be made. Some of the guys have worked out. Some of them have not. Some of the success stories have come from outside the organization, like Nolan Jones. Uh, some of them, you've seen guys like Brenton Doyle. The defense is amazing. The offense isn't there. So it's still a work in progress. I think there's enough quality bats here. And you have guys like Amador, who's legitimately a 70-grade hitter. The question with him is just, what is the power ceiling? I think there's enough here where you can make a good offense at the major league level. I just don't know if it's going to be great with the current configuration of the prospects. And I'm wondering if it's something too, that the Rockies as, a, as an organization need to go to their farm. I, I, you, you can't recreate it, but I think it's easier to do maybe in Albuquerque than in Hartford or the other areas, but the home road split, you know, I, I, if they're going to go so gung ho on pitching, we got to figure out the pitching prop. We're going to draft these pitchers. We're going to figure this out. The same has to be said for this offensive approach where this offense goes on the road and doesn't do anything more often than not. And I don't know if that's something you can necessarily train or work for, but I wonder if that's something they think about when prospects often, especially of thinking their offensive approach in the farm system. Yeah. And, and the, the issue with this system is you have so many parks that play completely different. Hartford plays different from Albuquerque and, and, you know, and there's a lot of interesting things here. It feels like the whole scenario is kind of geared towards we know Coors Field will juice the offense. So we can find guys that are premium defenders and hope that Coors helps us out. And like you mentioned, on the road, you, you end up having a, a not as competitive team. I don't, there is, there's a couple differences in the organization that I still want to see figured out. And it's player acquisition to player development need to work a little more together. International scouting with domestic scouting need to work a little more together. Uh, it, it's, it's, 
it's it's getting better. Like, especially in last year's draft, it got better, but I still think it's not quite where it needs to be. And maybe, not the end of the world, but maybe eventually moving Hartford to a, an environment that's more like the rest of the affiliates would be a good thing so that you can work on a consistent approach all the way through. Yeah, I mean, that's... I. I, I... I, I think you nail it on the head there is the Rockies continue to come out of the stone age when it comes to being a modern the, uh, to a, approaching the game with a modern lens analytics, mm-hmm. international scout. I, I'm really disappointed that the Rocky and I know they weren't going to be this year, but man, I want the Rockies to at least be the mystery team that's connected to the international free agent or someone that's coming over or, or something like that. They never are. And it's, it's, it's just, that's, that's, it just goes back to its core of like, Man, the biggest frustrations I still have with the Rockies remain with the with the organization itself. Yeah, and I will say that they've had some success in international free agency, like Amador, Yankee Fernandez. Uh, I think, if I remember right, they're linked to one of the top 50 players this year. Uh, it's shortstop Ashley Andujar from the Dominican, like number 28 on the board. But it does feel like the focus kind of spins around. There was a focus, that 2019 IFA class, right? Amador, Fernandez, both came out of that class. There's a heavy focus there. And then somebody says, hey, we should be putting more attention here. And so the attention shifts. And it's not consistent effort everywhere. It's we'll focus on this, then we'll focus on that. And because of that, you end up in a scenario kind of like this where it comes in waves and you can kind of see, here's the international wave. Here's the domestic wave. Here's the trade acquisition wave or the free agent wave. And it's not consistent efforts through the organization uh, from year to year. And I think that makes it hard to develop these players correctly when you're you're doing all these different things, these different strategies over different seasons. Yeah, lack of consistency and issue with the Rockies in multiple ways. I absolutely agree. Lindsay, I'm going to put you in Bill Schmidt's chair here coming up. Uh, in segment number two, when it comes to a big call there with Amador and the Rockies in 2024, we're going to get to that coming up here in segment number two. But before we do that, got to tell you about some of the folks that help make this show possible. And that includes the title sponsor of today's episode, Game Time. Game Time. I mean, Game Time has come in huge. Lindsay, uh, you were just saying you were able to, to 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 hook your wife up on a on a great trip there from afar with with Game Time, if I'm if I'm not uh, wrong. Yes, my wife's best friend went to go run the New York City Marathon. And the whole big thing with that is you take a support person, right? It's the person that gets your your all your stuff. So my wife went, I used game time to buy them tickets to a show on Broadway they wanted to go to, exactly like it talks about, last minute tickets. I said, you guys have any plans? They said, no, we don't have any plans. I'm like, bam, 10 minutes later, they had Broadway tickets for a show in an hour and a half. Like game time was great, so helpful, and the best possible price to get those. Yep, it's and, and super easy to use. What I like about it, too, is you hit the button on the app and it sends it right to your phone. There's no hoops to jump through. It's right there and and verified, all that good stuff. The only reason I got to the All-Star game this year, uh, this past baseball season, was because I used game time and they had those last tickets uh, guaranteed for you here. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase that's twenty dollars off your first purchase when you use the code locked on terms do apply again create an account and redeem code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed 
This is the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Paul Holden, host of the Locked On Rockies podcast, joined by Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects. And we are talking Rockies prospects. We were talking about some of the, the philosophies there uh, going up mixed with Lindsey's favorite Rockies prospect there in that first segment. But now I want to put him in the GM chair before asking. I know the question that everyone wants to know about pitching, and I got some questions from uh, X that I want to ask you here, Lindsey, coming up with that. But... The Rockies, it is right before the trade deadline. It is a month before the trade deadline. Brendan Rodgers is playing uh, close to all-star caliber ball. Maybe he's uh, potentially in the mix for the Rockies' lone all-star representative. The Rockies are 15 games out of first place in the NL West and below 500. Do you trade Brendan Rodgers and do you call up Amador and do another, another, hey, we're going even younger in the second half of 2024. You have to consider it, right? And it, it's something it's, I don't, I don't want to trade Brendan Rogers, right? It, it's, I want this team to grow. He's only 27 years old. I think he'll be 28 around the deadline or so. Uh, but it's, it's a scenario where your, your talent right now, you have a lot of outfielders and then you have a very, very talented middle infielder, Nadel Amador. Uh, and you don't have places to play them. I mean, you have Ryan McMahon at third, you have Brendan Rodgers at second. Hunter Goodman is probably going to either have to wait for somebody to get hurt, or he's going to have to go out and play the outfield just to get on the field next year. So I strongly consider it, and I think I strongly consider it from the perspective of it is so hard to get pitching in this organization that we have to i'm not gonna i'm gonna make the joke and say we have to bring them here against their will like we have to go trade for pitchers and bring them into the organization because signing them is hard to do um i don't want to do it i i'd rather there's other people i'd rather trade if i could but you have to think about it at least that'll be the peak of his value and a couple years before free agency Yep. I mean, that it's going to be the biggest question for the Rockies at the deadline, without a doubt. I, I'm a huge Brendan Rodgers believer. I mean, mm-hmm. it, if you were to say right now, who do you want to who do you want to keep Brendan Rodgers or Ryan McMahon? I'm I'm taking Brendan Rodgers, even yeah. with the injury history, because I've seen the Ryan McMahon experience. And unless I finally get that breakout Ryan McMahon year that we've been waiting for four years now wow. uh, from uh, from him. Great. But I, I think trading Brendan Rodgers will be hard. But I, 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 part of me thinks that that's the move that's made that does get made. Uh, you know, Elias Diaz and other veterans might be be some interesting ones. So uh, that was my that was my G. We'll, we'll keep the GM hat on because I, we got to talk pitching. If when it comes to Rockies, when it comes to farm system, we got to talk pitching. And uh, Tanner here from X has a few questions. So I, I don't want. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with them all. If you need me to repeat one, let me know. Behind Dollander. Who is the next best second or third starting pitching prospect in your opinion? Let's just we'll, we'll just start there. We'll go one by one. Okay, uh, I am torn between Carson Palmquist and Gabriel Hughes. And Gabriel Hughes is speculation because he had Tommy John surgery last summer, right? Uh, he didn't look great before the injury, but the stuff has been good. Carson Palmquist, by comparison, doesn't have amazing stuff, but the results have been there. And back going back to college. He's been incredibly versatile. He's been very good. Uh, The thing here is you've got to find guys that their stuff works well with the organization and Coors Field and all of that. I think Palmquist and Hughes both have very good stuff. I'm curious about how Joe Rock will do. I don't know 
if Joe Rock's exactly going to be there. Uh, the walks were good. He made it to AAA to Albuquerque last year. I just don't know if he's going to be a number two, number three, or if he's going to be a, a backside of the rotation kind of guy. But Palmquist, Hughes are, I think, the guys behind Dollander right now. Joe Rock comes from my alma mater, so he's always getting bonus points for being Ohio University. Ohio University, yeah. Ohio University Bobcat. He was picked one pick too early. He was picked number 68 in 2021. Ah, bummer. That would have been... <laughs> so close. So close. Um, okay, well, you kind of answered this, but but just to reiterate, do will we see Hughes pitch at all in 2024? The expectation is no. And, and if I'm going off the timing, he had it in July. We typically think about that being an 18-month thing. It sometimes takes longer. If I'm the Rockies, I'm comfortable with him being on a mound, but not in game action, right? I'm going to have him at the complex. I'm going to have him in instructs. I'm not going to actually have him on a competitive environment in pitching. So I'm going to say no right now with the goal of him being full bore for 2025. Do you have any starting pitching prospects that are breakout candidates? Uh, there's two that I named in the show, yes. Uh, guys that I've been really intrigued with what they did. Uh, Michael Prosecchi, a lefty out of Louisville in sixth round of 22. And Jared Candy, a righty in the 2021 draft, 17th round out of Florida Southern. So Prosecchi converted from relief to starting. Went 21 starts last year. ERA under three. Has a four-pitch mix. I love to see you know a guy that can throw four pitches as a reliever uh, or former reliever converted to starter. So I feel good about his ability to, I mean, you're probably looking at a guy who's going to have an ERA of four, which isn't amazing, but that's kind of better than what you have. And then for, for, for candy, a guy that has gone deep into games. When you go back and you watch some of his outings and you look at the stats, it, a usual outing for him is 90 pitches, 95, 100 pitches. And so few guys do that nowadays. He just, he posted every five days and he kept going. Struck out more than a batter per inning, walked less than two and a half per nine, ERA under three and a half in high A. So those two guys, I feel really good. A little bit of improvement in the quality of their stuff. And you're looking at them as, as no doubt starters as soon as 25. And the Rockies could use some innings, innings eaters for sure. Get us someone that can go a little bit further, someone that can that that can go blow for blow a little bit there. And and if they got to throw some pitches and handle it, they they definitely need some some folks like that. Kyle Freeland can kind of get you that, but the the home run proneness is is really starting to bite him uh, here of, of late. Okay, last question here from Tanner: Thoughts on Ryan Ritter and his solid twenty twenty three. Okay, so for Ryan Ritter, um, power production was kind of a question. I mean, hit uh, was it 24 home runs, 20 stolen bases? I wonder when I watch him, he's very, very aggressive at the plate, right? Uh, strikeout rate continued to jump every time he went up. I, I want to say it was like 24% in Fresno. It's like 34% in high A. It was like 38% in double A. So... Uh, the approach is super, super aggressive. If he can tone that back a bit, you have an amazing defensive shortstop that can hit for more power than we're expecting and could, you know, could be a 2020 kind of guy, right? Like the ceiling's super high here. The floor is really low because of the strikeouts. So a lot of variance, but a guy that could move around, could play 
second, short, third as a utility thing. I don't think he's going to displace Amador or Tovar, but I feel really good about what you can do if you can cut down the strikeouts. Obviously, that's easier said than done, and that's one of the reasons he didn't make it into the top prospect part of the show because there's just so many questions. But the tools are there. It's just harness them better, cut down the strikeouts. I want to ask you about your confidence in the farm system as a whole and, and, and how that confidence in the farm system relates to the team's inactivity when it comes to free agents here. We're going to do that in the third segment. But before we go to to break here, uh, just real quick, uh, how impressed were you with Ezekiel Tovar this year? I, I, I Honestly, I think, you know, no, the, the, the big hot story is Nolan Jones. The Bretton Doyle defense was great. But, man, I, I got to say – it's, it wasn't knock your socks off great and greatest thing we've ever seen rookie performance, but you take that from a 21-year-old rookie guy making his MLB debut, absolutely. I, I was pretty over the moon with the Rocky shortstop. Yeah, I mean, that was as much as I could have hoped for in his debut year, right? It feels like he got more comfortable as the year went on. Totally. The, I know the strikeouts were high, the walks were low, uh, but defensively, the defense didn't slump. Playing defense at shortstop at the major league level is very hard to do. My team, the Braves, I just watched them trade away Vaughn Grissom because he couldn't play shortstop to play, save his life. Uh, and and Tovar did everything that I could have hoped that he did. And my 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 dream going into his second year is that he can bring up the walk rate a bit and cut down the strikeouts a bit. And again, towards the end of the year, we saw him get better at some of that as he made the adjustment. So I couldn't have been happier. I honestly, if I had a rookie of the year ballot, he would have been on there simply because of what he did at his age is, I think, really impressive. And and, and you nailed it too. Someone that you saw the challenges of being a rookie, making your debut in the first few months, but by the end of the season, he looked like a pro. He looked mm -hmm. like some, obviously, like you said, strikeouts, walks, that's an issue with the Rockies offense one through nine, but for him to be someone that cemented himself in a key spot in that Rockies lineup, I mean, you, you really got to be excited. And, and again, the, you know, discredit the Rockies all you will. They've hit now on three shortstops in a row. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of teams that can't necessarily do that. I, again, as an Atlanta fan, I just watched that whole saga of Von Grissom versus Braden Shoemake and then Orlando Arcia gets the job and the other two guys have been traded. Like they couldn't figure it out. So uh, you feel good about that. And I think the, I think August is a good sample of what Tovar could be, right? He batted like 250 or so, five home runs, you know, and, and, and that was kind of the last bit where he was feeling up to the workload of a major league season. You could tell he kind of trailed off in September a little bit as he got tired, but uh, I feel like he could, maintain that all season I, I think he wasn't he walked like like 10 times which is a high for a single month for him and so give him some physical conditioning though over this winter he's going to come out with some man strength next year going to be even better yeah and, and and the thing that i think is is, is a, a nice boost for the rockies uh, another thing i talked about this week 11 stolen bases on the year the rockies only had three triple digit base dealers all rookies. All right, let's uh, let's keep talking about uh, overall faith and confidence in this farm system. I want to give it a, a, a brief uh, outlook on next year for some of the young guys as well. We're going to do that in segment number three. Before we do that, though, FanDuel's got you covered for all the sports betting action. And right now, I mean, it's pretty prime sports betting time. You got football playoffs. You got college football playoffs. You got hockey. You got basketball. And guess what? FanDuel's got you covered and 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Win or lose. Yes, that's right. All you got to do, place a $5 money line bet. Maybe you want to bet on Lindsay's Atlanta Falcons. Or maybe you really believe in the backup bowl of uh, uh, what is it, Jared Stidham and... Um, Oh, man, what's the Raiders, guys? I uh, uh, can't remember the Raiders' backup quarterback. Anyway, you can bet on the Broncos if you wanted to. And guess what? The app at FanDuel is super easy to use. Check out FanDuel.com slash on for that bonus bets offer. 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Live same-game parlays. They got the new Explore tab there on the FanDuel app. And you can even check out the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays. FanDuel.com slash on for your first bet and all those bonus bets and uh, one more time fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel official partner of the nfl if it helps stidham was at one point the backup for the broncos too so it's either way he kind of works yeah you know it, it all it all works there stidham my from auburn take. where i live <laughs> well there you go my hot take russell wilson quarterback of the atlanta falcons next year oh please don't please don't <laughs> don't put that on me don't your guys is turn your guys is turn for we the ride there we don't want him all right, Lindsay. Uh, let's let's we're gonna well, maybe a little rapid fire here, but but okay. I wanted to ask: the Rockies have not spent a dollar in free agency. They traded for Cal Quantrill with the Guardians. Uh, you know, n- nothing too flashy. They they didn't say they were looking for much at the winter meetings, and we haven't heard much from the team. Is this team able to be so confident in its farm system that they don't need to make a lot of moves? I mean. Do you see the young guys on the Rockies team, even the ones that are going to be on the major league roster and say the future's there. We can, we can sit back a little bit. Do you think that the, do you, do you believe the Rockies have a case there? I think you can build a major league position player roster from your farm system now that can at least be competitive in major league baseball right like you look at your outfield options you have a jordan beck you have a yankee fernandez nolan jones is already there brenton doyle is already there like you have a further back there's guys like a like a zach veen for however much that is still worth and you know <laughs> things like that robert calais is just out of the dominican you have options for your infield and your outfield in the farm system so i can see it there from a pitcher standpoint, I don't. I don't think there's enough arms with enough ceilings in this system to be competitive in the postseason or to get the team to the postseason. And it's there's guys I like. I like Dollander. I like Hughes. I like Palmquist. You know, but these guys, for the most part, except for you know maybe Palmquist, these guys are a little bit away. And there's just there's not enough depth in pitching that we can say, hey. Here's a guy, if you tweak these two or three things, you've got a, a consistent starting pitcher. There's not enough of those guys to get this team into playoff contention in the farm system as of right now. I just think there needs to be a little more of a focus on that, both in free agency for you know for what you can, as well as in the draft and in trades. So how would you approach that? Would you say the Rockies should continue for, you know, their first three draft picks should be the first three pitchers, the best three pitchers available? Or do you think that they really need to just advance their analytics and just make the smart picks? Because I don't know when, I, when it gets to drafting for me, I'm kind of a, if there's a, a stud, take the stud, even if it's at a position that you got to figure out. Yeah, it's in the first round, for the most part, I feel like you always take the best player that's there. Position doesn't really matter in the first round. Uh, I do think that 
there's a couple things that can be done to make better pitcher selections. And I came on the show after the draft last year, and we talked about some of the pitcher selections I was happy about because it feels it felt like for the first time in a while, they were really focusing on guys that should be able to acclimate well to pitching at altitude. You know, guys who rather than relying on, you know, big loopy curveballs, it's like, yeah, he's a he's a fastball cutter slider guy. You know, it's all things that should acclimate well. Uh, I'm not going to say go straight Angels 2019 and draft nothing but pitchers, but I do think there needs to be a focus on we need to uh, figure out between now and July, this is what works from a development perspective. This is what we can teach pitchers to do. Let's go get guys that are that are good at the things that we're not good at teaching and guys who would be better if we could teach them these things and bring them into the system. Uh, simply because you've got to build that base of pitching so that you don't have to go out into this really stupid free agent market right now and pay for pitching because every pitcher that is signed is getting way more money than we could have imagined they would possibly get. So you've got to build it and there's not enough here to build a playoff contender out of. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest concern because eventually you're going to have to buck that uh, that moniker of yourself and go to Jordan Montgomery and say, hey, we're there. The Rockies, the Rockies are willing to pay people. We've seen yeah. that. Chris they, Bryant got paid. They the Rockies are in the middle, the middle of the pack when it comes to payroll. They're not a team that is is they spend over a hundred million dollars on payroll this year. And for that to be the product, that's a problem pitchers there have to be some pitchers out there that will be enticed by we'll throw two extra million dollars a year if you come pitch for us we believe in you and and that's what i think i get frustrated because i i just don't think this team over 30 years has been able to say hey we're gonna bring up some some pitchers and they can point to their playoff rotation but again that still wasn't dominant it was good enough to get the rockies in the playoffs there right but overall i still think i mean look at what the dodgers just did <laughs> and and will continue to do the padres will continue to do san francisco always good at getting the best out of random players and arizona has completely turned things around so that that, that there's a million things there that, that with the rockies but to, to why is to, to wind up, i'm sorry yeah go ahead yeah. I think there is an avenue here. Baseball has kind of prioritized swing and miss stuff, right? With the with the removal of the shift. Baseball's prioritized guys who can just blow it past you, you know, doors, get a strikeout. I think there is a place for the Rockies to step in and say, hey, those sinker slider ground ball guys, we draft a ton of really good defenders. Let's put you in front of these really good defenders. You keep the ball on the ground. They're going to get the outs. And I think there is a pathway to make some smart acquisitions. Go to these pitchers and say, hey, you would have gotten $12 million a year. You're being offered 10 because teams value something different. We value what you do. We'll give you that $12 million a year to do what you do for us. There is a pathway there. It's just, does Colorado go down that path? I don't know. And, and I mean, the, the defense is going to be arguably the biggest strong suit of the Rockies next year. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, there has to be a moment where the Rockies can get there and say, hey, listen, man, we got five potential gold glovers out there right now. Like, come on, we'll, we'll make it happen because, listen, it's, hey, 
don't throw it in the middle of the plate where they can hit it in the air and have it go and hit a home run. Yeah. And if you, that, that's your whole thing anyway. So it should keep work it down Rockies. on the edges of the plate and we'll be fine. We're good. I mean, well, and Kyle Freeland's a perfect example to look at. He is a guy that makes his bread and butter off of inducing weak contact, mm-hmm. but he gets burned because his low velocity stuff, when it hangs in the middle of the plate is a meatball for these major league pitchers. But uh, to, to, to wind down the show here for my last question, the Rockies are going to have a lot of young guys next year that did play, you know, hundreds of at-bats last year. What type of – do you expect a sophomore slump or uh, these Rockies players to take steps forward, um, especially the big three of the ones seeing the field every day in Doyle, Jones, and Tovar? For the most part, those guys got through a lot of their struggles last year. Uh, Britton Doyle may be one of the exceptions as far as his offense goes. Batting, I think he batted 203 or so. Uh, But for the most part, I don't expect a sophomore slump. I do expect that maybe teams actually, especially in the case of Nolan Jones, maybe start pitching around them a bit and and putting pressure on some of these veterans in the lineup around them to produce. You know, if right now, if I have to decide, do I want to pitch to Nolan Jones or do I want to pitch to Chris Bryant? I'm pitching to Chris Bryant instead of Nolan Jones. And Mm -hmm. so that's something where these veterans now, I think, need to step up and give some of these youngsters protection you know, Britain, again, Britton Doyle is kind of the exception. He's got to figure out the offense. But the rest of it, uh, I, I like, I think Tovar is going to have a good year. I think Jones is going to have a great year. Jones went 2020 last year. I think Jones could be a 30-30 guy if everything yep. went right. And so the veterans need to step up and protect them. You know, your Blackmans, your Bryants, your Rogers, your McMahons, uh, so that they can hit their full potential. Yeah, and they got to they got to get Montero on the field consistently. I, yeah. That is, I think, or figure out the Montero Tolia debacle because there's, and like you said, with Hunter Goodman, you just aren't going to figure it out. Make a deal with someone. Make a look. Make another deal with with the Guardians to get another pitcher over here because the Rockies only trade with three teams. So, <laughs> but it, anyway, Lindsay, Atlanta, Cleveland, and yeah, Atlanta, third, yeah. Cleveland, and St. Louis. That's there about it. There you go. I, that's it. You know, so say hi to old friend Sam Hilliard. There is he still with the organization? Did he, he make it through? He got hurt, and I think he. I think he left. I think he yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, it was fun at least for a second. Then what up, Pierce? Is it Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand over there? We just re-signed Pierce Johnson to a big money deal. Yeah. And see, the Rockies made that, you know what I mean? That deal shows that the Rockies knew what to do. And that was such, hey, Pierce Johnson was a great, was helping that Rockies bullpen. And did they need him in the second half of the season? Absolutely. But not in a lost season. Go do what you did there. Flip it. Boom, bang. Yeah. I I mean, there's, if you're, if you're on track to lose 100 games, there's no reason why any pitcher at the end of their deal should not be getting moved. That's just kind of the way I feel about this. Yeah, but and more teams need to trade pitchers at the deadline or just sign pitchers to one sign veteran pitchers to one year deals with the intention of moving them. Look at Kansas City this year. And then that's what the Rockies should do a heck of a lot more of. Hey, just like we were saying, hey, you're not getting the deal you want. Come prove that you can pitch in Colorado for half a season. We'll flip you. We, it works for everybody. You can go pitch for a contender in the second half of the season. You proved that you can pitch, of course. Boom. Works for everybody. Lindsay, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Where can they go to stay up to date with all things you? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. It's the hub for everything. Again, Locked On MLB Prospects, six days a week right now. We're previewing all five farm systems and doing Monday mailbag. So send me your questions. Sheesh, six episodes a week while the rest of us are on the vacation. Way to make us look good there, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Paul Holden. You can find me at LO Rockies, Locked On Rockies on YouTube. Uh, 
the Locked On Rockies YouTube channel, best place to go. That's all the stuff gets put up there. Um, but uh, folks, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Locked On uh, Sports Today is your 24-7 streaming home for if you need more national sports coverage. And Locked On MLB's got you uh, covered for your second listen of the day when it comes to more baseball talks. I'm Paul Holden saying so long from the Locked On Podcast Network.